Aloha, everyone. On behalf of Domino's Hawaii, we wanted to take a moment to thank our team members for working through these trying times. And we wanted to thank our community for not just supporting us, but most importantly, supporting each other amid this climate of change and continued uncertainty. It is difficult to fathom some of the recent tragedies that have occurred, but what we can do collectively is aspire to be better for one another. We don't want to disrupt this message by taking time to promote some meaningless special. All that can be found on our website or app. Instead, once again, mahalo for your strength and your character. And we look forward to our very special community here in Hawaii getting back to work and making the world a better place. And with that, let's talk sports. Hey, what's up, Jordan? How you doing, man? Hope you had a good weekend. It was actually a pretty compelling weekend of sports. Unfortunately, it led into a week where we got some really bad news about sports, especially the sports that uh, we like to talk about here on this show, Hawaii sports. But let's warm things up. Draymond Green was sitting in the studio with the TNT guys on their NBA coverage here this past weekend. Uh, and he did a pretty good job overall. I don't think anybody questions Draymond Green's communication skills. Uh, but at one point, he volunteered to say that Kevin Durant, his former teammate and running mate with the Golden State Warriors, was the, quote, best scorer ever, hands down. It was something that was somewhat unprompted because the crew was talking more about James Harden and his scoring exploits. But he went so far as to say, KD, the best NBA scorer ever. So here's the warm-up. Here's the pregame. Jordan, do you agree or disagree? If nothing else, Draymond has got the TV thing down, right? Say something outlandish. Go out on a limb. Make an ultimate statement when it comes to it. And, and I like that from Draymond, right? Uh, I think there's a big argument whether Kevin Durant is the greatest scorer right now. I think even when you're talking about the guy that got Draymond Green in trouble, if you will, uh, when they were having the Devin Booker discussion and uh, cost Kevin, I mean, uh, cost Draymond $50,000 because he was clearly tampering. Uh, and I think rightfully so, he got the fine. Uh, I think Kevin Durant is the best scorer right now, right? He is one of the most difficult matchups you could ever dream of. And a guy who could probably get a shot off against just about anybody. Uh, but all time, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Like you're talking about, you're talking about the likes of Wilt who, uh, you know, averaged like 51 year. Uh, you're talking about Michael Jordan, who anytime anybody needed a bucket, he could find it, right? He could get it off the mid-range game. Nobody was better than him. Uh, so to go greatest of all time, I think, is a stretch, especially when some of the guys that are in the bubble right now are putting on the performances like Devin Booker and a couple of other guys that uh, we may get to at the end of this podcast as well. I got a couple of stats in my back pocket. Yeah, you know, there are actually a couple of guys on the Warriors who may have something to say <laughs> about being the best scorer uh, in the league right now. I mean, Steph Curry, with his range and what he can do offensively, uh, yeah, you know, maybe he doesn't have some of the other elements that Kevin Durant has in his offensive repertoire because of the size. I think you factor in KD's size, and certainly he's one of the most skilled scorers for a guy who's close to seven feet tall. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can say demonstratively – uh, that Kevin Durant is a better scorer than Steph Curry, generally speaking. I mean, I, I think that's at least debatable, right? And like you say, once you go back into the annals of history, I mean, you're talking about the all-time leading scorer, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had the greatest offensive weapon in the history of basketball, the Skyhook. You mentioned Will. You mentioned MJ. How about Kobe, who was able to score 81 in a game? Uh, there are just a lot of really great offensive players throughout the history of basketball. And then when you start talking about eras and how eras are officiated, Kevin Durant, one of those guys that uh, I think does benefit, like James Harden, from being able to get to the free throw line as well. I'm not sure if they played in the 80s, if they would have that same kind of free throw uh, shooting success. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's Draymond uh, going hyperbole, which he tends to do. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit more in the way of fireworks with him and Charles Barkley on the same set. Uh, didn't quite get that. There was a lot of mutual respect, and uh, that was uh, a bit disappointing. But, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, Kevin Durant is certainly up there. I just don't know if you can say he's the best.
All right, time to get to our welcoming you to the show. That's right. It's another edition of Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy and Jordan Helley. Doing things a little bit differently here for this edition of the show, Jordan, because we don't have the traditional guest appearance that we have in most of our episodes. Uh, Instead, we're actually going to be stringing together some reaction from a variety of different individuals who are in positions of authority at the University of Hawaii in response to the main story uh, that we're going to be discussing here today, uh, and that is the Mountain West Conference postponing football and fall sports Uh, We'll have reaction from UH President David Lassner, Athletics Director David Matlin, and football coach Todd Graham. Again, that's the big news, which takes us right into our game time. And our first game time topic is the major headline, perhaps just a matter of time, but the Mountain West Conference has postponed football and fall sports to 2021. And that impacts the University of Hawaii as a football-only member of that conference. This comes just five days after the Mountain West actually publicly set parameters for a 10-game schedule for its members. The league announced Monday that it will instead postpone football this fall while maintaining hope that the season could be held in some form in the spring of 2021. So again, uh, this didn't necessarily come out of the blue. I think just because it came so soon after the previous announcement about the 10-game schedule that they were going to try to go forward with, that part may be a little bit of a surprise, but were you surprised ultimately by this announcement by the Mountain West? No, not not surprised at all. Um, the way it has unfolded to me across college football, right? And we await for the next shoes to drop, if you will, when it comes to the big Power Five conferences, some of the other Group of Five uh, leagues around the country, because it, it does seem inevitable um, that the vast majority, if not all, of college football leagues will will shut it down, much like the Mountain West has here. But it feels just like early March, right? Here we are in early August, about five months later. But doesn't just feel like the NCAA tournament and the conference tournaments when it came to college basketball, where everybody was, hey, you know, the Ivy League's not doing their tournament. They were the first ones to shut down college football as well. Uh, you know, so-and-so leagues not having their tournament. Big West shuts theirs down. Somebody's going to try and play like the, the American, right, or the Big East, was it? They pulled the. They said yes in the morning, and by the end of the first session of games, they said we're done. And it, this, this feels the same sort of um, disjointed reaction, where it's just a bunch of dominoes that aren't really set up properly, uh, and, and then everything kind of leads and barrels towards the inevitable. And I think highlights a lot of the uh, incongruencies when it comes to just the structure of Division One collegiate athletics. Uh, it, it's a. It's I think something that is a surprise to nobody, especially at this level. Uh, And for the University of Hawaii, who kept pushing back training camp, uh, it's a little tough for them to swallow. But I think, you know, I think a lot of people here locally could see the writing on the wall. Yeah, I mean, once you started getting word that there were either singular or individual programs that were making this decision, you had the MAC that made the decision here prior uh, to the Mountain West announcement. Uh, And then you started seeing some of the stories that have been swirling about the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and some other Power Five conferences who are contemplating making this same decision. And it seems at the moment, at least, at least at the time of our recording this episode of the podcast, uh, that it's just the SEC and maybe the Big 12 that are still moving forward as if they're going to play some form of the college football season. Do you feel like some of this, because I think this is an argument on the other side, some of the Clay Travises of the world are suggesting that this is just one huge overreaction because of media pressure, because of the legal pressure. Is there any part of you that takes that stance or that even understands how people would take that stance uh, in, in trying to suggest that this is a big overreaction. People will point to mortality rates and these kinds of things and suggest that student athletes might actually be safest, like Nick Saban suggested, on campus in a protected, controlled environment uh, in the, the football programs themselves. Yeah, oh, murky waters, right? If you're going to uh, wade into a uh, Clay Travis conversation, especially on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, those are some depths, man. Um, I, I don't think it's an overreaction, right? We, 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 we are continuing to learn more and more about just the medical side of COVID-19 and right. Some of the, not just immediate effects, but some of the lasting effects now that there's more research out there, right. And a big one that came out, uh, just today and, and a big concern for some of the power five conferences, 
is the uh, the effect lasting perhaps potentially uh, on the heart and, and some strain on the heart and you start talking about that kind of stuff right I mean it's like come on we're, we're asking these these young athletes to go out there and, and put their bodies on the line like they a lot of do so willingly and and we, we we know as as the sport of the dangers of the sport of football in particular uh, become more and more known right when it comes to head injuries and things of that nature and now we're throwing in this um, big unknown element and, and these, uh, you know, we, we understand that there is some give and take when it comes to intercollegiate athletics, right? These guys are getting their scholarships paid for and all that kind of stuff, but these aren't professional athletes. These guys aren't getting paid millions of dollars. They don't have a, a union to collectively bargain their seat at the table. That's what they're asking for. And I think very smartly, right. And in, in just that simple five bullet point, uh, graphic that the the players united basically across college football put out there late Sunday night. Uh, and part of it was, Hey, eventually leading to a college football players association, right? It's like, Hey, seize the moment. I think I'm all for that because we're seeing, right. It is a very unknown world and we don't know the lasting effects and, and sure you can point to mortality, right? You can point to all these numbers that can make your argument on the other side. I mean, you can point to a lot of other things, right? Whether it's the, the way it affects elderly, the way that it, impacts just medical infrastructure and we're seeing that here in Hawaii right with the cases spiking especially on Oahu and all of a sudden ICU beds are taken up pretty quickly and then what right and so look yeah there, there's an abundance of precaution I get that um, but I think with, with all the unknown and the fact that in a lot of ways we're worse off in some places than we were in April when everything shut down and so yeah, I, I, I totally understand. And unless a lot of these talking heads are going to go out there and volunteer to pay for the liability insurance and are willing to pay for the medical expenses should somebody get sick or somebody adjacent get sick, um, it's like, man, maybe maybe sit that one out and, and let the medical experts kind of dictate this one uh, and take the lead from them, which I think is a smart thing to do. And then you run into the issue, right? Every league's got their own medical expert. Every team's got their own medical expert. So it's it, intercollegiate athletics. It is a hodgepodge, uh, and we're seeing that. But I do think that a lot of what we're seeing in these kinds of announcements, uh, like the Mountain West announcement today, postponing football and its fall sports, this is obviously based on research that they are doing via legal teams, via whatever medical experts they have as uh, resources. Those aren't necessarily people who have a quote-unquote horse in the race, right? We're seeing the argument and the debate taking place, heck, even between a lot of these Power Five conference coaches and the presidents of those institutions. I would like to perhaps hear a little bit more from the medical experts to understand what the impact can be, not just for the athletes themselves, but for because of the travel that's going to be required in playing any form of the football season, uh, because of the interaction with other teams on game day. Like, yeah, you can control the practice environment pretty well, and you can bubble that out a la the NBA in many respects. But once you start getting into the game situations and the travel situations, you know, that's introducing all kinds of problems. And that's when you start getting into the issue of being in a super spreading potential scenario. And that's what you're trying to avoid. And, and I think we tend to lose sight of that because we look so much as to how this is going to impact the student athletes themselves. And hey, look, we're all frustrated. Hey, look, you and I are sportscasters. We want sports to be played. I mean, heck, you know, not having any Hawaii sports here because of the high school announcement, because of what we're seeing from the Big West and the Mountain West and the University of Hawaii, like, we're not going to have any sports until at the earliest November. And that may be wishful thinking. Of course, we're all frustrated. Of course, we want to see this actually go down. Uh, but I think it's, it's because of that frustration, it's easy for us to lose sight of why we're in this whole predicament to begin with. My question to you becomes, because uh, I think another huge factor here, especially for mid-major conferences, for a group of five conferences, is the expense, right? The cost of the massive amount of testing that has to take place for you to be able to put a team out there on the field or court. Uh, you have much deeper pockets when you're talking about some of the Alabamas of the world and, and some of the Power Five conferences. And you're already hearing Scott Frost at Nebraska saying, hey, look, we're, we're willing to partner with anybody to play some form of football. So do you see that as a possibility that maybe we'll see, if not these conferences in their entirety, we will see select members from this Power Five conference and that Power Five conference kind of grouped together on their own to put some 
form of college football out there on the field. What do you think the odds are that we see any version of college football here this fall? I think it's still pretty slim. I, I think it's still pretty slim because I think it's still going to be a hard sell, right? If everybody shuts down and then there are maybe, what, 24 teams or something like that that, that insist on playing. It'd be easier, right, than, than trying to coordinate everybody across the country, and maybe they'll figure it out. Uh, but I think it would still be a hard sell if you're looking at it and saying, hey, everybody on the West Coast is shut down, everybody in the Midwest is shut down, uh, but there are these 16 to 24 teams who are going to form some sort of alliance to go and play football. Um, while, while it's saying everybody else is saying it's not worth it, it's too dangerous, and then these other, these other schools are going to be like, no, we we, we got to figure it figured out. We're going to play it. It's going to be safe. Everything's going to be great. It's like, are, are school presidents really going to, are, are, you know, governors really going to sign off on that? For a lot of these big schools, right? The University of Nebraska, uh, in Scott Frost case, like those are public institutions, right? You, there are a lot of layers to it to get the approval to go ahead and go rogue. Uh, plus, I'm, I'm fascinated. It, and, and the more we learn about this, the more we understand, right? It's not the NCAA who runs things. It's not even really the conferences who run things. It's the dollar. And it's the big money schools who run things, right? And they're, they're the big boys. They're the power players behind all of this. Um, because I'd be fascinated if the Big Ten is going to sit there and say, hey, we're not playing football, we're not playing fall sports, and say Ohio State and Penn State and Nebraska go, okay, that's fine. We're going to go play someplace else. Like, what are the ramifications down the road from that, right? If you're Rutgers and you're, uh, you know, Northwestern or some of the smaller schools in the Big Ten, like, hey, bro, what are we doing here, right? Like, what? Well, is that not going to create something down the road where it's like, uh, there's got to be some issue here, right? If, if we can't agree to do some things as a league, like what's the point of the league? It's a, it's, a, it's a marriage of convenience for sure for a lot of these schools, right? Otherwise, why would Rutgers be in the Big Ten to begin with? And that's a whole other conversation. But it, it's just a, a more and more examples of, of just the disjointed and, and uh, very thinly connected um, organization that is – conferences and, and big programs along there so I just think it's such a tough sell for a ton of different reasons for those teams to actually go rogue and play an independent schedule or play a, a newly formed under a newly formed league or something like that um, I think they'll try I, I think they'll give it their darndest try in a lot of these schools that we're talking about um, but I, I just I, I think it's such a hard sell if you're not going to do it as an already existing league right if you're going to have teams breaking off and joining schools from the Big 12 or something like that. Uh, I don't see that um, happening down the road. We wish we were wrong, right? Like we said pretty early yeah. on when yes. we started doing these podcasts, it's like, I don't know, because of the travel and all these other factors, you know, you could bubble it out in the NBA and some other sports at the professional level. It's hard to do that in college because the kids have to go to school. They have to have the student side of the student athlete label fulfilled. Uh, but this is, this is the, the worst case scenario, man. This is, this is from a sports vantage point you know this is this is a nightmare scenario and and I think the University of Hawaii is obviously uh, going to be challenged here missing out on the revenue that is created by football um, and I think now the hope is that there is some form of football in the spring semester uh, but that is no guarantee and that is something that I think is very unfamiliar and probably why so many people are up in arms about you know let's play college football. You have the president even tweeting, like, we got to play college football. I think it's just because of that unfamiliarity and, and people who are just feeling so uncertain and unnerved by all of this. Uh, it's just a real difficult time. I think back and we had similar feelings and I think similar laments and similar conversation um, back in like April when we started the podcast, right? So much of this reminds me of then because we kind of we were on the right track and then things popped up again in terms of numbers. And now we're getting things shut down again. And we had the whole spring season wiped out. Now we're getting the whole fall season wiped out. Well, we had some hope maybe over the summer that, that things could continue in the, the uh, positive trend. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of a, this eerie cycle that we're in, I think. And, and hopefully maybe by the next season, we can figure this thing out and maybe, maybe the, uh, the fall being quiet and absent will be a nice reminder for folks to, you know, do your part uh, when yeah. it comes to, to fighting this thing. And I, I, I think it's just funny that there are, there are people out there and prominent people, even, you know, the blue check marks on Twitter who are like, you know, college football reporters and people working in sports are, are rooting for the season to be canceled. Uh, and I just think that's the craziest thing ever because uh, everybody kind of makes their money 
yeah. <laughs> of sports yeah. existing. Uh, so just some of the arguments out there, just, uh, just a bit asinine to me. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, and this is going to have a, a trickle-up effect, right, on the NFL, the NFL draft. How do you reschedule those kinds of things? What do you do with scholarship athletes who maybe are missing out on their fall season if the spring season doesn't come to full fruition? Like, you're right back in that same dilemma the NCAA was facing for its spring sports participants. Uh, what do you do with eligibility and all of that stuff? It's, it is wild, man. And this announcement just introduces a whole host of more logistical questions for David Matlin, David Lassner, for Todd Graham. You know, we'll be hearing some of their reaction here in a little bit, but it just introduces so many more questions as to how you are going to go forward with this thing. And the NCAA obviously has to uh, lead the pathway on exactly what that's going to look like. All right, we move on, and a guy who has connections to the state of Hawaii had a big triumph this past weekend. Colin Morikawa, at 23 years of age, Jordan, he won the PGA Championship. He is a former Cal Bear, won the PGA Championship, held in San Francisco. So basically, he was on his home turf. Uh, but he is a guy who has some connections back to this turf here in the 50th state. His grandma and grandpa were born in Hawaii. He has extended family here on Maui. They had like a family restaurant in Lahaina. Uh, and so he is very familiar with this area. And in fact, he laughed when he participated with the uh, Century Tournament of Champions in January uh, at just 22 years of age at that time. Uh, he was laughing because, you know, he had played that course when he was a little kid. And then just coming back to Maui is almost like, coming back to a second home uh, but he was very impressive here this past weekend uh, how uh, did you respond and react to Colin Morikawa's victory in just his second major of his career yeah he's, he's kind of a, a adopted son right of uh, the islands I, I was super excited he, he's one of my favorite players on tour the guy is just, his game is terrific right and and that was such a fun tournament I mean first major back uh, it's fun to actually talk about some some real sports, right, and not just the negative stuff going on right now. Uh, but the PGA was terrific. That course seems terrific. Um, uh, you know, that, that track there at Harding Park, it's, you know, municipal course. I mean, come on, right? It's San Francisco, the backdrop there. Tiger played well on Thursday, played decent on Sunday. Uh, but just that leaderboard, the amount of guys who are in contention, the who's who of golf, uh, some seasoned veterans, some major champions, uh, some guys who just play well, uh, in these loaded fields on these difficult courses, the Jason Days of the world, right? Uh, and here's Colin Morikawa, second ever major start. The 23-year-old from California played his collegiate golf at Cal across the bay. Um, I just love his demeanor. I love how cool he is under pressure. That sequence he had on the back nine to pull away after, what, six guys were tied at 10 under, basically, uh, with the final group making the turn. Just ridiculous how crowded that leaderboard was. And then he kind of he pulled away. Like, he outplayed everybody. Uh, over that stretch that the chip in he hit and then that drive on what was it 15 or 16 or whatever on that short par four uh terrific stuff like just just nails you know his second career major uh that Jim Nance was talking about something like his his total number of starts as an amateur and a pro or like the same number that Tiger was at in the 97 Masters or something like that so we're making Tiger comparisons uh he's still a young kid he dropped the the lid of the of the trophy uh on the you know on the 18 green when they were giving it to him it's like man this guy's he, he's he's a little fallible right he's, he's kind of fun loving he's he's a little too naive for his own good maybe at times but man he's a good golfer uh and yeah he's, he's got ties to hawaii so i was i was rooting for him man think about this he is now the reigning pac-12 and pga championship winner <laughs> so like that that gives you another idea of just like how young he is and just how close we are to that that threshold of like college golfer to now a major tournament winner on the PGA tour. It's an exceptional story. I actually had a chance to just interact with him very, very briefly uh, when I was doing the first tee announcing of the century tournament of champions and, you know, said he had family on Maui and he's like, yeah, it's great to be here. And he just seems like a guy who's very focused, uh, obviously very driven. It was awesome to see. And you're right. I think the only thing that I was kind of hoping for, I mean, Colin Morikawa winning was a fantastic story, uh, but the PGA Championship, the playoff is a three-hole playoff. And they were saying that if there is a tie, everyone who's tied goes out as one group. And so I was thinking, how fun would that be? Like, how good of TV would that be if there was a six-way tie 
<laughs> for the lead, and they all went out as a sixum on this three-hole playoff. Like, that would have been some awesome TV right there. That was the only thing we missed out on. Uh, but Colin Morikawa, uh, the guy was fantastic. That was really, really fun to watch. All right, we move on. Major League Baseball, we had another rumble. Uh, Houston Astros-related rumble. Uh, the A's, Ramon Laureano, charged at Astros hitting coach Alex Cintron after Laureano got plunked for the third time in the series. Laureano said afterwards that Cintron uh, uttered something vile about his mother in Spanish. Uh, this will likely result in another couple of suspensions adjacent to the Houston players who have yet to be suspended for all of the cheating stuff, but uh, obviously is really sort of the source of all of this animosity uh, they are definitely in the villain role here throughout this young Major League Baseball season. How much more of this do you think we might see? We had the Joe Kelly incident uh, with the Dodgers. Now we have Ramon Laureano. The A's were taking care of business against the Astros, so it wasn't as though they were frustrated competitively speaking. Uh, I think it's just not a lot of dudes love the Astros right now for, for obvious and, and very fair and justifiable reasons. Yeah, and the Astros aren't helping themselves either, right? I know they got some of the young pitching up, and that was a, maybe a little bit of a case there with, with Laureano, who's got some history with the Astros right after getting traded over a few years ago. Um, I thought it was such great – I don't know if trash talk's the right word, right? He gets hit for the third time, as you pointed out, second time that game. Uh, and he gets hit by a, a, a hanging slider, if you will, not the, not the 92-mile-an-hour cheese that he got hit by, I think, in the, the previous game. Uh, and he's clearly upset, right? As most guys would be if they get hit three times in a series and twice in the same day. If you've got some history with that team, the A's are beating up on them. They're one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in baseball right now. The Astros kind of on the opposite end, much, uh, I think, to the pleasure of many out there, many a baseball fan that isn't an Astros fan. I just love that Loriano, right, who's obviously going to be upset. He gets hit three times in the series, twice in that game, and he gets hit by the he gets by a hanging slider, basically. So it's not it's not cheese coming at him like he got hit earlier in the series. But he's walking up the line. He's clearly upset. He's he's motioning, and everybody can tell. And then he and then he starts telling the pitcher <laughs> how to throw the slider. He's like, you got you got to break the wrist. You got to snap the wrist to get that ball to to get some movement over the plate. That way you won't you won't keep hitting guys. I thought that was brilliant uh and then the Astros right and it's like they you know Dusty Baker has sort of been the guy to create the shield and he's over there you know he got kicked out I think in that same game earlier arguing balls and strikes and he's he said all the right things in the media and Dusty's one of the nicest guys out there but then he got Cintron like what are you doing as a as a hitting coach in the dugout you're chirping at this dude like why why well he had every right to be upset he got hit three times in the series he was he was you know mouthing off to the pitcher a little bit, teaching him how to how to throw the uh, the slider. But I mean, come on, Every, you're, you're full. Everybody in that clubhouse is fully aware they've got a huge target on their back, and so maybe you're trying to you know puff your chest a little bit. But I mean, you know, nobody's taking their side. Nobody's going to take the Astros side on this thing. Loriano's the guy I think who comes out looking good here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what is Cintron doing? Like you, you're the hitting coach. He's going to get. You know, there are going to be some suspensions put out there, and, and we're recording this at a time where we haven't heard that news yet. Uh, but uh, I would imagine Cintron's going to get a longer uh, suspension than Loriano because I think as the hitting coach uh, and, and escalating that situation with a guy who's on the playing field, like, that's a definite no-no. Uh, but, no, I, 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 I think you're right. I think it's time for the Astros uh, to just – Take their medicine, man. Just um, There's going to be venom spit at you. And you're lucky that the fans aren't in the stadium or else it would be way, way worse. All right, let's get to our Domino's Hawaii main topping. And we go back to the main story, the big headline, obviously, the Mountain West Conference postponing football and all of its fall sports. University of Hawaii, a football-only member of the Mountain West. In this case, we're going to actually have reaction from three individuals who are in positions of authority at the University of Hawaii. So the voices you will be hearing uh, come from a media conference call here earlier today. And so the voices you will hear are UH President David Lassner, Athletics Director David Matlin, and football coach Todd Graham. So we're just going to string together a little bit of their general response to this. Uh, let's go ahead and play uh, some of the sound, some of their reaction uh, from University of Hawaii. As, as all of you know, today the Mountain West Conference decided to postpone all fall sports. Uh, that includes UH Manoa football 
And this was done due to the uncertainties and risks around COVID-19 across all of our campuses. It was a collective decision by the Mountain West Conference presidents, all of whom are focused on the health and well-being of our campus communities, including our student athletes. This pandemic has brought each of us unique and unprecedented challenges. And as a group, uh, we just could not see a path forward to conduct an athletic schedule this fall that we could be proud of. While today's decision for UH Manoa only affects Rainbow Warrior football, this is actually the same conclusion that the Big West Conference presidents reached for all of our other fall sports. As with the Big West, um, this was something um, we knew we had to do, but that didn't make it easy. I know that all of our student athletes in fall sports, which now includes our football players, along with our coaches, um, thank you for being here today, Coach Graham, and our um, truly amazing fans are all extremely disappointed. Uh, Everyone across our 10 campuses is being impacted by this terrible pandemic, and this is the latest, uh, but one of the most visible impacts of the pandemic within the university to our community. It should be noted that earlier today, we also announced that due to deteriorating conditions with the pandemic, Uh, in Hawaii and especially on Oahu, we will be moving even more strongly to reduce all presence on our campuses at the start of the fall semester, uh, which will will still begin August 24th. It is a heartbreaking day. Today is a sad day for our football players, just like the Big West postponement announcement was heartbreaking for our soccer, cross country, and women's volleyball student athletes. We support today's difficult decision by by the Mountain West Conference The absence of fall sports will be challenging for our department as a whole, but more so for our student athletes. We will continue to support them academically, athletically, and monitor their overall well-being as we press forward with a safe path back to competition. Our Athletics Ohana will get through these rough waters together. Obviously, our goal uh, through this whole process has been the health, safety, and well-being of our players, uh, staff, and our our football team, um, uh, as well as you know, that's been our number one priority is the health and safety of our players. And then also, you know, and educating and, and using this as a learning opportunity. And, uh, you know, our goal is as well as make a difference in their lives and to help our young players uh, to, uh, uh, to know what it is to live a championship life. And so, uh, you know, this has been a learning process for everyone. Uh, obviously, today's disappointing. Uh, that, uh, you know, that we're not going to be able to have, uh, you know, uh, competition in the fall. Uh, And uh, one of the main reasons is because we we feel we have such a special football team. And I've I've learned that since I've been here. We've got great young people uh, that are very, very proud of our players and our staff uh, and the parents and how we've communicated, uh, how we've learned. Uh, This has been a learning process for them and a great opportunity. You know, when you face adversity, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity to learn and progress and to get better. And for us, really, it's 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 uh, even though uh, the season's been postponed, uh, we're full steam ahead on on our players and and the educational process and and their pursuit of a meaningful degree and to teach them what it means to to live a championship life. So we're looking forward to the future, and um, I mean I'm excited about the bright future that we have. President Lasner, um, what changed in the past week uh, when the league went from a modified football schedule to decide to postpone it altogether? I would say um, certainly in Hawaii, our situation is considerably worse. Um, in some of the other states, there was guidance uh, coming out from government officials uh, regarding their belief about the viability of athletics with or without fans. Um, I think the realities of what it would take to travel, um, and then the realities of um, what it would mean to put these players into direct contact with one another. Question for Coach Graham. How difficult was it for you uh, earlier today to have to send that message to your players saying, here's the decision, we're not playing ball this fall? No, it, it was very difficult. You know, my heart goes out to, to you know, each one of these, these young people have an opportunity to be a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, and a senior. And so, 
you know, it's, it, it, you know, obviously it's a tough decision, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, you have to do, you know, it's important that we lead and we do what's best for our players and uh, their safety and well-being has got to, got to, got to, you know, be first. And so uh, it was very, very difficult call um, uh, to make. And, uh, you know, it, it's tough because you know what they have invested. I know, I know, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've never been through anything like this. Uh, and uh, uh, I just know that, um, you know, how hard they've worked, how dedicated they've been. And, and there was a lot of excitement. There's a lot of excitement because uh, I think the developments and you know, there's been a lot of challenges since I took the job. We've, we've had a lot of, you know, breaks and things like that. But, uh, you know, this is a special group of, of young people and, uh, you know, grown very, very close together. We have a strong brotherhood. Uh, on this team. And uh, so that was very difficult. It's always difficult uh, when you face things like this. But we also, again, try to use it as an opportunity to teach. You know, I'm a teacher and an educator. And uh, so it's very, very important that we learn, you know, that we know it's how you respond to these things. You're going to have setbacks. You can get knocked down. You just got to keep getting back up. So uh, that was a tough call uh, for us. Uh, but on the same hand, yeah, you know, you, we have to do what's right for our players. Uh, this is for Athletics Director Matlin. Uh, Dave, what do you brace yourself for as far as the financial impact of postponing the football season? Uh, God forbid, if it doesn't get played at all, what, are you, what do you sort of have to prepare yourself for from a financial standpoint? Well, obviously football is a you know, huge revenue driver for the program. Uh, we're, we're doing analysis as we go. I mean, it, it's hard to answer that question just when you talk about football because we still have a lot of spring sports, so you have to factor those into the, what the net will be totally. But obviously, football is a loss. Uh, we, you know, I've worked with the UH administration and uh, President Lastner on different scenarios, and on, you know, now we have a little more information which we'll input into our models. But obviously, it is going to impact uh, the, the finances of the department, and we're going to have to um, be incredible stewards uh, of our um, – you know, of our resources. I also know that uh, we've also had some people step up in the community to support us uh, recently, which uh, is so appreciated. So I, I obviously that helps mitigate some of the challenges. Across the country, uh, Coach Graham, uh, the college football players have raised concerns ranging from their health safety to uh, compensation. Uh, before today's announcement, have any of the players raised those issues with you? And if so, can you elaborate on what, what they're saying? Yeah, we communicate with our players on a daily basis about all kinds of issues and, uh, and communicate with them. Um, and obviously through this whole time, uh, we've communicated every single day. Uh, and obviously the focus has been on the safety and well-being, uh, as well as we communicate with them every day about their education. And that to me is first and foremost, you know, our job is to educate our players and help them to get a meaningful degree. And uh, uh, so we communicate with them every day. And, uh, and also we, we control the things that we can control. And uh, uh, so, so we have constant communication with our players uh, on, on all kinds of different issues, whether, whether it be socially or whether it be, uh, uh, you know, what it, how it pertains to football and participation in football. And so, uh, uh, you know, uh, to me, that's, a, that's something that it's vital, especially as many players, you know, we have so many, um, the numbers on, on a football team is well over 100. And uh, so we communicate with them every day uh, to, to make sure that they uh, uh, know first and foremost that, uh, that we're here to serve them and to, to help them uh, pursue their degree and get an education as well as their endeavors on the football field. Specifically on health and compensation, have you heard uh, from your players on those two topics? Uh, you, we've talked to them every day about, about health and safety. Obviously, it, you know, that's something that's not been unique just to this pandemic. That's something that uh, we always talk to them about is uh, safety uh, and, 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 you know, playing this game. It's a contact sport and to play it safely, you know, you, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And number one is educating them and then uh, teach them how to play the game safely. And uh, so we, we communicate, we communicate daily with our players, uh, on those issues and, and other issues and concerns that they have. And so, uh, and those are, like I said, a wide, wide range of things that we talk to them about. So we, we are in constant communication with them. How optimistic is, are you about a spring season potentially? I think each of your angles might be interesting to where you guys uh, stand at that at this time. You know, the Mountain West announcement is specifically nonspecific on this point. Um, we thought it was important to first get the message out uh, about postponement. 
Um, we have not identified the specific indicators, but um, I think you'll find they're the sorts of things that all of us have been monitoring uh, really since March involving numbers of cases, governmental guidance, um, availability of uh, therapeutic treatments, availability of vaccine, travel quarantine, safety of travel, and protocols for conduct, um, advances in testing, and protocols of conduct that we think would allow for um, safe engagement of our student athletes. You know, our, the Mountain West, uh, not quite as spread out as the old WAC was in its heyday when we were traveling to Louisiana and other places, but there's still a lot of Texas of, of travel involved. And, and that's not just us. You know, it's not very easy to get from Wyoming to San Diego either. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's easier to get uh, from Hawaii to San Diego than some of the other travel that's involved. So um, we're gonna be watching all of those things. Um, we have regular communication as presidents uh, and we continue to do so. And um, we really value the input that we get from our athletic directors across the system, across the conference, um, all of whom share their views with us. But ultimately we know as presidents, um, we need to make the ultimate call uh, on what's best for our student athletes and our com the communities in which we're embedded. I, I, I know that we'll do everything possible to, to have, a, a, have a season this year in the spring in a healthy and safe manner. And so I'm even right now, Coach Graham and I've already, we've already talked about, you know, what, what, what's next to prepare uh, our, our football team and, and other athletic teams uh, for, for potentially playing in the spring. So, you know, our job is to be prepared for when we get the green light. And I do know that, um, you know, if it's, if it's safe and healthy to go, then everything will be done to make that happen. So, um, you know, so I, I think that's where, um, you know, I stand from, uh, from my chair. Yeah, I would, I would agree with the, with President Laster and, and with David. I mean, you know, obviously it's progressing and, and doing everything we can uh, to, for, for the future. And uh, if it, we can safely do it, uh, then that, that would be, that would be a great, uh, you know, opportunity to do that in the spring. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that's a, it, it's a day-to-day -day and an ongoing process. Uh, this is for um, David Matlin. I was just wondering if there is a spring season, uh, are the uh, Pac-12 teams back in play? Because they were actually obligated to play you in the fall. Mm -hmm. And also, conversely, are, is there a buyout that you have to now pay to Robert Morris? At State? Good question. As far as the Pac-12, it depends on what they end up deciding. Obviously, we would, and it depends on how many games the model would be. Uh, I, I guess if it ended up being an eight plus two model, that would be possible. Uh, but you know, can't answer that question yet because I'm not sure where the Pac-12 is right now. Uh, as, far, as far as Robert Morris, uh, I believe the way we contracted that we should be okay on on the buyout. Uh, we will have conversations with them shortly. I, I did put in a call to uh, you know New Mexico State uh, on, on the game earlier today, also. Uh, to their athletic director, um, and we had a very good conversation. So uh, that's uh, kind of where we are in those situations. All right, so you heard some of the reaction there, Jordan, from David Lassner, David Matlin, Todd Graham. Uh, what do you anticipate this is going to be like here in the state of Hawaii where there's just no sports? Like there's no prep sports, no prep football, no UH stuff till at the earliest November. Uh, what's that going to be like, man? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're relegated to, to checking out like Little League games, right? They, they've been able to play some Little League games here or there, some of the baseball. If, you know, there's some flag football going on with some very, uh, you know, well thought out social distancing and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're, you know, it was all shut down, what, March? And at the earliest we get anything, uh, you know, could be like November uh, from the high school level on higher. Uh, so, I mean, you're talking about eight months minimum with just nothing going on. That's a, that's a long time, man. That, 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 you know, even wartime didn't, didn't <laughs> you didn't see anything like that. So yeah, it's been, it's been quiet. It's been odd. You know, I, I'm sure like you, you know, people you run into, uh, you know, when you're, you're at the grocery store or something mask on and everything like that, um, you know, from, from more than a few feet away, hey, you know, hey, what do you think we're going to play any sports anytime soon? And, and my, my, you know, my, um, my cookie cutter answer has been for the most part, it's like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, I, I, I really, I really don't think so. Cause a lot of people, right. A lot of people, um, in the community, they have a son, they have kids, they have a daughter, they've got nieces and nephews, you know, grandchildren. They, 
who all want to play, right? It's, they all want to play, whether it's, it's on the prep level, people want to go and people want to tune in and watch UH football. They want to watch Rainbow Wahine volleyball, right? It's like, oh, man, you know, I want to watch some games on TV or whatnot. It's like, yeah, we're, we're stuck with replays, I think, for a while, man. No UH sports. High school sports, what, is Spectrum OC16, we're going to start televising some uh, air riflery and some bowling possibly here in the next few months? Because uh, that's pretty much all we're going to have at our disposal. Yeah, that's about it, right? And even bowling, I think, is up in the air because bowling alleys are shut down again on Oahu. Uh, the one here on Maui is shut down. So there's not a lot of alleys to, 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 to get these kids uh, out there rolling the, rolling the ball and knocking down pins. So, yeah, it's, um, it's bleak, right? And, and I think some of the, the realities of that as well discussed in, in, or mentioned in some of those clips. I mean, a lot of it's the, the financial aspect, right? The financial hit. Uh, and that's almost every sector of life in society right now. But, hey, when we're, you know, focusing on sports, the, the lost revenue is, is something that they're really, really going to have to figure out. With that, we now get to our post game, our best and worst. Jordan, what is your best for this episode of the podcast? Yeah, my best. Uh, we we're talking about best scores to, to begin the show, right? In the warm up, best scores in NBA history, best scores in the league, maybe right now. Uh, and a guy, I'm sure, you know, if you're a Blazers fan or if you're in Portland, uh, and Draymond Green says, hey, Kevin Durant's the best scorer going. Uh, you got to be like, hey, man, what about our guy, Dame Lillard, right? I mean, he is scoring ability, especially at his size. Tenth guy in NBA history with 10 50-point games. Kevin Durant's only got six at this point in his <laughs> career. And, and, like, that's not even a knock on KD, right? The guy is amazing. In, in no way is this to put him down. But this is Damian Lillard, what he has done, right? I mean, it's the same as Kareem. Kareem at 10. 50-point games in his career. You know, guys, James Harden's got 23. He's the other guy who can just fill it up. Kobe had 25. Mike had 31. And then there was Wilt, who had 118. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're going based off of that, maybe Wilt's the answer yeah. to the question in the warm-up, right? 118 50-point games in the Stilts career. Dame is a bad dude, man. Dame Lillard is, is unbelievable. Um, and just the fact that he's a Weber State guy, right? He's like a, a smaller college program product. I just, I love his story. Um, I love his cool demeanor. Whether you're the Clippers, the Lakers, anybody in that Western Conference, you cannot feel comfortable if the Blazers end up in that eighth spot, if they end up being a team that you have to cross paths with in the playoffs. That is not going to be fun. All right, my best, uh, I'm going to go a little comedic here, Connor Moore. I don't know how familiar you are with this guy, uh, but he goes by Connor Sketches on Twitter. That's his handle. And he does some of the best sports impressions you will ever see. Uh, and he specializes particularly in impressions of international soccer stars and PGA Tour golfers. He does a Tiger Woods impression that will – Knock your socks off. He also does Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson. He does Padraig Harrington, uh, Rory McIlroy. I mean, the guy is all over the place, and he is fantastic. Zyre Golf is another really fun account on Instagram to follow, and they'll post a lot of his stuff from time to time too. But Connor Moore, check it out on Twitter, his sports impersonations. The Tiger Woods one, uh, it's the best in the biz. Yeah, I can always count on you for good social media follows. Uh, in terms of recommendations. So I'm going to check out Connor Moore, not to be confused with Colin Moore, Hawaii News Now political analyst. I saw a lot of him on Saturday, so I just had to make sure it wasn't the same guy. I don't think Colin Moore does as good a Tiger Woods. All right, uh, Jordan, what's your worst? <laughs> yeah, my worst, uh, trash talk, even though really I'm here for it, right? Like we, you and I, I think we both, we both love trash talk, and it actually kind of centers around that Clippers, Blazers, beef, right there. Because I, I, I thought it was petty, but I thought it was hilarious when Patrick Beverly, who wasn't even suited up, is over there yelling, Dame time, after Dame misses the two free throws. Um, it's like, damn, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm team Dame when it comes to that. I'm team Damian Lillard uh, when it comes to, to that little beef going on. Uh, so I, I am all for that. Uh, and, and I think it is hilarious. Uh, I love that Paul George tried to kind of wade in there um, in a in a little bit more of a humble and respectful way on Instagram, and Damian Lillard was not having it. He came right back at him and said, "You're a team jumper, and you're you're just trying to chase championships." Because we all know the Blazer stance, right? He and CJ McCollum have called out dudes before. He's called out 
the Warriors and all kinds of stuff. They, they are doing it the hard, old-school way, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, it's a little petty. It's a little pilaw, but I love it. And so yeah. it's my worst, but really it's, it's kind of my best. It went next level because I think there was a back and forth between Dame Lillard's sister and Paul George's girlfriend or significant other. Uh, it got really cold and nasty uh, on social media there. There were a lot of deleted tweets at the end of the day. Uh, it was pretty wild. All right, my worst, I'm also going the trash talk realm. Uh, I'm looking at you, Brooks Kepka. He's known for throwing some shade at other players on tour, which I actually really appreciate uh, because, you know, golfers in those interviews, you tend to be kind of generic, uh, kind of boring, uh, very much just golf speak most of the time. But Brooks Kepka isn't here for that. He's, he, he's like the only great golfer who seems like playing golf and all the things that come with it is a real pain in the backside. Uh, and so he went out of his way to talk some junk about Dustin Johnson, only, as he put it, winning one major going into Sunday's final round of the PGA Championship. Basically, he was asked about the leaderboard, and you know he was up there with all these guys around him and what he thought about his position and what he thought about the, the group that was with him vying for a title going into Sunday. And he said, hey, look, you know, most of these guys haven't won one. Dustin Johnson only won one, and he said that like a few times. Uh, and then Brooks Kepka went out there and proceeded to shoot a 74 and was a non-factor on Sunday. So I think like the one caveat to trash talk is you got to back it up, right? If you talk trash and then you stink it up the next day, it just, it, it, it deflates all of that. It lets the air out of all of that. And so uh, I don't even know if it was legit because I think Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka are friends. Like they work out together at, at times or whatever. So it might just be like more of an inside joke than anything else. Uh, but it was still a backfire situation. Uh, by the way, Chris Mad Dog Russo, the uh, talk radio pioneer, was so unimpressed with Kepka's behavior that he said on his show that if Kepka was playing golf in his backyard, he'd close the curtains. <laughs> like, that's how little he thinks of Brooks Kepka, Mad Dog, doing Mad Dog things. Uh, of course, right? You gotta, uh, that's a Mad Dog quote right there. Because, I mean, if, if Kepka's playing in my backyard, I'm probably watching. Because the dude can hit it a mile. He's jacked. Right. And um, he, the funny thing is, I think all about that is Kepka is he's the clutch guy. Right. He, he's the one who only wins majors like four of his 14 total wins have come in majors. And he had that incredible stretch uh, last year and the year before where he was winning like, you know, six out of the eight majors or whatever it was, um, you know, in, in that stretch um, that he had started. So, yeah, it, it, for him for him to backfire on on Sunday in a major is uh, kind of uh you know, a little counter to what we usually see from him. So I could understand the trash talk, but yeah, you can't go out there and, and stink it up on Sunday if you're going to do that. Yeah, that's the rule of thumb in the trash talk game. Uh, and you and I know a thing or two about trash talking and not backing it up. So that's we, we speak from expertise on that one. All right, that's it for us. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Kanoa Leahy, at Jordan Helley, or at TalkSports808. Uh, once again, thanks to the University of Hawaii for letting us uh, pick off sound bites from that conference call. Uh, we will hope for some UH sports in the not-too-distant future here. But until next time, Jordan, have a good one, man. We'll talk again soon. We'll see you, man.